study that there's a sense in which all dads, whether they, they, they recognize themselves as a really good dad or a not-so-great dad, across the board, there's this, there's this desire to be a better dad, um, this, this longing to be a better dad. You see, there's a reality of, of kind of the dad that we wish we were and then the dad that we are. And it's, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy being a really significant relation, uh, relationship in someone's life. Got this next quote, I love this one. Being a great father is like shaving. No matter how good you shave today, you have to do it again tomorrow. Isn't that something with relationships across? Uh, that's, just, that's not just being a father, that's being a, uh, a wife, a husband, a boss, a, uh, an employee, a follower of Jesus. Um, we, we have our, our good days and then we have our not-so-good days. And uh, the distance between who we want to be and who we are, that represents some sadness and it represents some grief in us and we long to be that person that we wish we were. Jesus, um, he speaks about this in, in a way as well, in longing for us to be the way we were created to be. Um, we, we, we know that we took the authority of ourselves as, as humanity and decided to choose for ourselves what is good. And uh, we're, we're not too good at that. We're, we're not too good at deciding what is good and what is bad ourselves, and we, we make a mess of things. And, and what God is calling us to is he's calling us to come back to him and come back to him again as the one who, who has the authority and the wisdom to say what is, what is good and what is not so good as well. And Jesus, as he was on earth um, in Matthew 25, he spoke to the people around him. And he, he started to speak to them about what it looked like um, to come in alignment with the things that Jesus say, says is good. So we'll open to Matthew um, chapter 5, if you've got your Bibles there. And this is the introduction of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is uh, he's saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. He's flipping upside down the, the way that people understand life. And he says, he flips stuff totally around at times. He says, you have heard it said that people, uh, to, uh, you have heard it said to the people of long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister, he will be subject to judgment. Over and over again here, he talks about adultery. You have heard it said that anyone who, that commits adultery, um, you have heard it said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is taking this to a much deeper level. It's not just a, a surface level conformity to something. He's, he's going right for the heart. And he sums this all up and he says this. My followers, I added that part. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This distance between who we want to be and who we are, or who God has intended us to be and who we are, there's a gap there. And Jesus says, be perfect, 
as my Father in heaven is perfect. It's a bit strange. In fact, it actually seems a little bit ridiculous. Be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. I feel like that's a little bit like as if Jesus was to say to me, run fast as Usain Bolt runs fast. This body is not doing that, okay? It's, it's, it's not possible. I could train for the next five years and eat well and, and all the rest, and there is no way that I am doing a sub 10-second hundred. Um, I'm not even going to get close to that. There is absolutely no way I could do that. It feels similar, doesn't it? Jesus says, be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. It seems like this is just such an unattainable, impossible goal that in me, there's no way I can possibly do that. When we get to something like this, we've got to ask the question, what are you saying, Jesus? Because there's, there's a few possibilities here. There's, there's a possibility that Jesus actually means what he says. Um, I'm kind of leaning that way and I'm going to get to that soon. Um, sometimes we've got to look deeper and we've got to have a look. Is, are we missing that Greek word there somehow? Is the translation a bit iffy? Um, no, it's, it's translated perfect pretty much in, in every single translation. It means complete or wholeness, but it's talking about um, how we live our lives here. Is it hyperbole or something? Is, is Jesus kind of exaggerating here? Is there some context that we're missing out on? Be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. The way we understand this verse has significant implications for our lives. Because I, I actually think that this verse is, in a sense, Jesus um, speaking love to us. He, he is... Um, he, he, he is loving us by saying, be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. And we're going to look into that um, shortly while we're in Colossians chapter 3. But before we do that, um, I just want to take a, a little bit of time and, and just pray right now as we come to uh, this passage of Scripture in Colossians chapter 3. I was, this Monday, I was down the coast at a breakfast, a Billy Graham breakfast, and uh, I sat next to a guy named Josh. And Josh was Sierra, from Sierra Leone, and he was a former Muslim. And Josh was telling me about, um, he, he grew up as a Muslim, and he learnt the Quran. He, uh, he, he memorised uh, many, many large portions of the Quran. He was, he was incredibly devout. But his brother had a Bible in, um, in, his, in his room and wasn't a Christian, but someone had given him a Bible and he would grab that every so often in interest and he said something was different about it. Every time I, I read this Bible, it was as if God was speaking to my heart. And um, Josh went on to say that uh, he went to a, a, a crusade when someone was talking about Jesus, he said, it all just made sense. And he gave his life to Jesus there and, uh, and, and continued to, to have dreams and visions, as often uh, Muslims do in this extraordinary way God is reaching the Muslim world at the moment. But it's, it stuck with me. 
He said it was as if God was speaking directly to my heart. I'd read the, I read the Quran many, many times. I'd memorized line after line after line. But when I read God's words, something happened in me. There was a fire in me. I knew that something was going on. And that's, that's the, the word that we come to this morning that God has given us. And, and he breathes into that. It's a, it's a living word. He takes that and he applies it to our life. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you. And we, I want to thank you for Josh from Sierra Leone. And for the many, many Muslims that you are coming to and that you are setting free and you are giving life. Lord, I thank you for the way that, uh, that the scriptures that you have given us, that they are not just words on the page, but that you take them and that you apply them deep into our lives. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for the reality and the experience of the knowledge that when you are speaking to us through your word, we thank you for your care and your concern for us, that you know us each individually. So, Lord, would you take what is on in your word this morning, would you take it, would you breathe upon that? Would you speak to us? Would you use it to sharpen us and to align us with you and your kingdom, Jesus? We invite you here, Holy Spirit, to do what you want to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I was um, got a whiteboard up here this morning because I'd, I was um, I was planning on going into some of this um, this first passage here, which uh, is is just it's quite magnificent what Paul is doing here and bringing all these themes from the Old Testament and uh, with insight that he'd, he'd received about Jesus and. Uh, we're actually going to leave that to another, another day um, because we are, we are running out of time here at the moment and uh, I, I, I want to do that justice. So let me read this first passage to you. I'll just quickly touch on it and then we will move on to the next part. It says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things, for you died. What's going on there? That's uh, it's a bit strange, isn't it? He's saying we've, we've, we've risen in Christ and that we have died. Um, I, I don't remember rising and I don't remember dying, in a sense. Paul, Paul is talking about something here that has happened because of what Jesus has done. Um, Jesus came to earth, he, he became fully man and fully God and he, uh, he died on the cross and he defeated death, rising again. And, and what happens when, when we decide that we're not going to, to, to do things our own way anymore but we're going to do things God's way and we surrender to him as, as Lord and as King and as authority to, to, to call which way to go, uh, what happens is that we are indwelt, we, we, we come into the life of Christ through the Holy Spirit and, and we're joined with him. And the, the things of uh, Jesus died and, and, and we raise again and, and we start to experience some of that reality of new life, of, of eternal life. And uh, eternal life for us starts uh, right now. Uh, when, when we choose to follow Jesus uh, eternal life starts with him. We, we have a brand new trajectory and our trajectory is towards new life and uh, uh, um, alignment with Jesus rather than alignment 
with the world. He says this, And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear, appear with him in glory. This is this, um, this in-between stage in which we are at. This, uh, it's it's quite, a, quite an interesting stage in which we are new creations. Those who have chosen to follow Christ and who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we are new. And yet, we have, we have the life of God in us. You know how we've talked about that, how, how we're in Jesus and Jesus is in us and Jesus is in God. We, the, the, the degree of separation between us and God, we, we are in him. We're as close as we can get. Life, his life flows through us. And yet, we actually don't look that much different. We, we, look, we look very similar. We may do things, some things very, uh, a little bit differently, but when we're down the shops, um, we don't seem to glow. Uh, we're just, we just kind of blend in. It says that, uh, that we, are, we are hidden with Christ in God. But we look forward to that day when, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. We look forward to that day when, when he comes back and, and we uh, receive the fullness of what has been promised to us. Our, um, he's the firstborn of the new creation and, and we'll experience that, that new creation as well. But we have this, this, um, this combined reality of, of both um, being attached to our old life but having the new life as well. And Paul is going to encourage the, um, the readers of, of this letter that uh, he wants them to live into that new life, that new life, the, the true them who has been made new. He says in verse 5, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Now, put to death, that's, uh, that's pretty strong language there. Put to death. Um, there's, there's a sense in which our old self is already dead, and yet in this life, what we can do is we can actually feed um, that old self. And the way we feed it is, is to giving into temptation and, and giving into the things that aren't in alignment with God. And what he's saying is, is, is put that to death. All, all those things that are not in alignment with, with God and his ways, um, don't feed it. Live into this new reality of, um, of, of, of Jesus' way and you being a new creation and starve that old self. Paul's going to go through a number of things which he, um, he just wants to make this very obvious for the readers at the time. Uh, I think it was... I can't remember his name now. I was reading someone. I think it was C.S. Lewis. He was, he was saying that it's... Um, no, it was N.T. Wright, actually. He was saying that it was, it's very easy to slip into sin that we, uh, we are not aware of, um, but when we can actually name it, um, we, we see it there, it embeds on our hearts and it, and it offers some protection for us not to slip into um, where, we, where we don't want to be in, out of alignment with God. So here we go, we've got some things that um, Paul says that they should stop um, doing. Put to death, therefore, it, um, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Now, at the time, um, this was a Greco-Roman city, 
and uh, sexually it was pretty messed up. Um, there was ritualised prostitution, um, there were the, uh, the, the communal baths and uh, all of the stuff that went with that. It was a highly sexualised environment in a sense and, and things were, were said to be good that were really evil and I think we have some... Um, there's, there's some similarities to, to our day as well. He says, he says this, put to death sexual immorality, impurity, that's the word pornea, um, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, um, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in, life, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. That word filthy language there, we, we automatically think swearing and stuff like that. It, it's probably more talking about language that is used um, to, to bring down or, or assault uh, someone else. And if you do that with, with filthy language, then I guess it's talking about that too. He talks about those other things um, that, that damage not only ourselves but damage community. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have, been, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of the Creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ in all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. So he's saying, stop doing some things and start doing some other things. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and to be thankful. So Paul is going through a number of different things. He's, he's basically saying, um, if you're a follower of Christ, you are a new creation. And uh, you, you're going to... St- there's going to be a struggle in your heart because, because you have been made new. And, and that new you is in alignment with Jesus. There's a, there's a part of us that, that longs to be in alignment with the things of Jesus. But there's a reality in which we live in which we struggle with the old self as well. And, uh, and, and it's our present reality and there's a gap to, between who we are at the moment and who we want to be and who God has created us to be, who, who we've been made new in. And, and we feel that gap. And, and that gap, it, it really, it grieves us. There's a, there's a deep greening that, grieving that we, we long to be like God has created us to be. Remember how Jesus says, be perfect as I am perfect? What he's saying is, is I long for you to, be, to live into the person who I've created you to be. 
Because what I've done is I've put life in you and that when you walk in alignment with me and my, my ways and, and the way that I've created for you, that is where life is found. And, and any degree of separation between who I've created you to be and who you are now, that represents pain. And the reason why I said um, that it's, it's, a, it's a command of love is because he doesn't want us to experience the pain between the separation between who we are now and who he wants us to be. Because that represents selfishness. It represents us hurting other people. It represents, um, it represents us thinking in ways that aren't in alignment with God that hurts us and hurts others. So he's saying, be perfect as I am perfect. But this is a mystery, isn't it? Because it's, um, it's hard. I think of the, the writer of, of Colossians that we've been reading, he struggled with this. He struggled with this internal sense of, I know who I am deep down. I'm a child of God. I've been given new life. And yet, I just, there's, there's this war going on inside of me. He says this. I wonder if you can relate to this. This is Paul. Someone like us that has been given life, that is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, who's been commissioned to, to write these extraordinary letters that would be passed down throughout the church. This man, he says, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, and it wages war against me. It makes me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's Lord, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Yeah, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I, I love this articulation, this honest articulation of Paul, that he realises this gap between um, where God has created him to be as a new creation and the reality of him struggling at the moment with this reality of having um, an experience of this new life, but also having that old self kind of tied to you. And, and we're grieved by the distance there. But we long for that time where God will come and he will, he will bridge that distance. This is, this is what it's talking about here. And your life is now hidden with Christ. We, um, that, that distance doesn't mean that we're not, uh, we don't have the life of Christ in us. Uh, the very fact that, that it grieves us that we're not the way that Jesus wants us to be, that's, um, that's evidence that, that Christ is actually at work in us but our hearts long for the day where we will fully realise um, those who we have been made to be. When Christ, who is in you, that's life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We long for that time when we will be glorified with him. So when we look at those... Um, when we look at our life and uh, walking with Jesus and we, we see that part of our life isn't in alignment with him, uh, what is it that we're meant to do? 
uh, how, if, we, if we see that, that God wants us to be the way that he has created us to be and when we see that difference, there's, there's some things that we can do. Next slide there. Um, first is to identify and admit. Uh, this is the, the language of confession. It's, uh, it's, it's looking at the picture of God and as we read through some of those things and we, we identify the Holy Spirit brings up in us often things that aren't in alignment with him. And he's gracious in this. Um, he takes us through a journey, some things that in our early Christian walk uh, we, we just remain unaware of and uh, as we grow in him, he starts bringing more and more stuff up so that we would um, be more and more made into the likeness of him. So we identify those things and then we admit them. We, uh, we admit them to, to God, but uh, the Bible talks about the importance of admitting them to one another as well. I have a, um, a group of guys that I meet with, was Friday mornings, now it's um, Monday mornings. And only just last week, God raised something up in me. And that was a, um, a sense of, of having a, a critical spirit in some things. And uh, I, I was able to come to the guys. God really convicted me of this. And so I said, guys, this is, this is what's going on in me. And I don't want it to have a hold of me. Uh, it's stealing life from me. So, so I let them know about it. And, uh, and then asked God together um, to help in changing that. And one of the ways that, that we do, one of the ways that we move from, from where we are now towards being more like Jesus and more towards life is that we resist those things that are opposed to him and we replace them with things um, that are in alignment with him. So now when I have a, a thought that is critical, that comes up in my mind, that I know just isn't aligned with my new life, it's, it's, a, it's in alignment with my old life but not in alignment with my new life, I resist that, consciously resist that. It's, it's a putting to death. That, it's, it's very, very active. It's saying, I'm not having anything to do with that. That's not the real me. And it's moving over here towards the real me and I, I'm going to seek to bless instead of um, seeking to be... Um, critical. So that could be whatever that is. Uh, God is God is gracious to bring stuff up in us um, because He wants us to be like Him because that's where life is found. Got that next um, the next slide there. Uh, just before we before we finish here, we're going to move into a time of communion now. Uh, just wanting to remind us of that wonderful story of the prodigal son. Um, and I, I love, one of the purposes of Jesus coming to earth was he was revealing to us what the Father is really like. Uh, we, we had, uh, humanity had some pretty distorted um, ideas of what God is like and Jesus came to show us very clearly uh, what the heart of God is like. And I love this um, this son that has gone off and, and gone in a different direction to which his father uh, would want him to go, and his father is deeply grieved. Not because he's necessarily uh, angry at him, he's deeply grieved because what he is doing is stealing life from him. And when he, when he decides to turn around and, and, and turn towards the father and come back 
what we see is this father that's not uh, angry at him. We see this father that has uh, wide open arms to receive the son and uh, he comes running towards him. So that's the way God comes towards us when we, when we recognise that the, the person who I am and the person uh, who I really am and the person who I am at the moment is out of sync. Um, God calls us to life and, um, and, and with open arms invites us to him. So let's, um, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you have made us a new creation. We thank you that we have new life in us, that we are that we are indwelt by your Spirit. And Heavenly Father, like Paul, we, we so resonate with those words of Paul that there's things in us that we don't want to do, but we do, and things that we should do that we don't do. And Lord, we're grieved by that. And Lord, we just want to come into agreement with you about those things. And we want to align ourselves with you and your ways. So Lord, would you raise in us anything that is not in alignment with you? Would you give us the confidence to bring that before you and ask for your help, to ask for forgiveness for that? Because we want to choose life. We want to choose the person who you are making us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that we do when we take communion is it, uh, it reminds us of who we are, that we are deeply connected to Christ. We're deeply connected to his death and his resurrection um, because of his life in us. And not only that, we're reminded of the distance um, between who God has created us to be and, uh, and who we are as well. It's an opportunity for us to come before God and just quiet our hearts and say, Lord, this, this part of me, it's, it's, it's part of my old life. And uh, I, don't, I don't want to be like that. I want to be in alignment with you. And it's an opportunity to, to confess to him and say, Lord, would you help me to move more into alignment with you and your ways? So I'm going to read a passage First, but, um, but first of all, I just want to give us a, a couple of minutes of quietness, just to know that we can come confidently before his throne room because of what Jesus has done for us, to receive his grace and his mercy, but it's also a good opportunity to come before him and, uh, and make our hearts right with him. So let's do that now.
Father, we want to choose life. We thank you that you have made us a new creation if we've put our faith and trust in you, that you've come and indwelt us and united us to Christ. Read these words that Paul wrote, talking about this meal that we're about to share. This meal is um, for those who have chosen to follow Jesus, who said, Jesus, I don't want to do things my way anymore, Lord. It's your way in my life. I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for raising me up again. I thank you that you've given me life. If that's you or if you would like to do that, we invite you to eat and drink with us. Paul said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As we eat and we drink, we are reminded by our union with Christ. We are reminded that we are united in both his death and his resurrection. That one day we'll see him face to face and we'll be glorified as he was glorified. So let's drink and eat um, together as a sign of our unity in Christ. And then I'll invite the team to come up. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your Son. And we remember back to this time that's recorded for us when, when he gathered his disciples around and spoke about the time when he would go to the cross and that he would have victory over death. And Lord, we stand looking back on that time knowing that we've been united to you. And we say thank you for life. And Lord, we want to be those that continue to put, death to put to death those things in our lives that are part of our own life. And we want to live into the reality of new creations that we are. We thank you that we'll see you one day face to face. We long for that day. Lord, I thank you for the taste of heaven that you give us as we cover together as your body and lift your voice up in unison. So, Lord, we do that this morning. We lift you up. All authority is yours on heaven and on earth. You are king, you are Lord, and you love us. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.